Father, we just surrender ourselves to you. We think it's a privilege to be in this place today, to be on our own two feet, to sit here in this auditorium in safety and in peace. We know that many who believe in you do not have the privilege to meet together in public. They do not have the privilege to read Bibles and have Bibles of their own. But Lord, they are believing and they are waiting for your soon return. And we pray that those who you have set into this country, in this context, at this time, with this wonderful building and these wonderful people and all these wonderful resources, that we would hear today that what you have for us is not just for us but that you are sending us out into a world that needs to know you. And I pray today that as our hearts are open, that you will begin to melt some of our things, the things that we have set up in our own minds. Maybe some disbelief, maybe some dishonor, maybe some things that we just have gotten into a routine that have causing us to be sleepy or cause us to be distracted. And I pray right now that you would just break us free, that you would just break that open today, that we would see you like we've never seen you before. We would hear your voice loud and clear. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and someone say amen and amen. If you're sitting close to somebody, just give them a high five. Tell them I'm so glad you came to church today. I am really glad you came. Good, good morning again. I'm, I'm really excited about this series, um, Divine Interruption. And I've got to give the credit for this particular title to a new friend of mine. His name is Pastor Jose, and he pastors the, um, oh, I almost said the Bolingbrook because that was his old church. The, I think it's the Beechwood Church in Melbourne, Australia. And I had a chance to meet him uh, last week while me and Missy were down in Brisbane, Australia. We were down there preaching for their big camp, uh, which is a kind of like a camp meeting. If you don't know what camp meeting is, it's a gathering of a bunch of churches. And down in in Brisbane and South Queensland, they have over 5,000 people that come to this camp meeting. And they have uh, these different... Uh, like like we have something for the kids, and they have them for every single age group, and it's incredible. And I was assigned to preach to the young adults, which were about, uh, on the weekend, about 1,200 people. And uh, it was amazing just to see what God did. And as we were walking through our theme for that particular week, which was is the theme for, their, uh, for all the young adult church, all their young adults in their churches for the one, uh, one of the workshops he was teaching in the morning, he talked about this phrase. He gave this phrase, and it really just, it was the title. I knew it was the title of what God was uh, giving me to speak on uh, for the next couple weeks. And he talked about this concept of a divine interruption, a divine interruption. And in short, you've, we've all experienced one. We may not have seen it as a divine thing, but we've all experienced it before. It's a time when God broke through our lives with maybe something that we didn't think we wanted to experience, but it was for God's purpose. Let me just give you some some practical things that maybe you can look back into your own life. For some of you, it was a breakup from a relationship. And when you were going through it at first, you were like, this is, I'm never going to recover from this. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. I love this person. I gave them my all, and they broke my heart. And now you can look at your new boo, right? You can look at the one next to you and be like, I am so glad 
that that thing ended. Because if that thing hadn't ended, I would have never found this individual. Some of you, it was a loss of a job or an opportunity. You thought that this was going to be the perfect career for you. You thought this was going to be the perfect opportunity. And you wanted that thing so bad and you worked so hard to get it. And then when it came down to it, you didn't get it and you were just broken, right? You were just like, man, what happened to this? I I thought this was my chance. I thought this was my opportunity. And now you can look back just a little bit later and say, you know what? That was the best thing that ever happened to me. I got to be honest. I know a lot of you are pretty young. We got a young church. So I know some of these examples I'm telling you are maybe just a little bit outside your experience right now that you're thinking, man, I don't know anything about that yet. I'm still in school. I'm still trying to get my bearings together. It may not be almost always big things, but it's little things. It's the party that you didn't go to. It's the dinner that you did go to. It's the time you moved from here to there. And God has a way of interrupting our life. He has a way of interrupting our life because he knows that we need to move on. He knows that we need to grow up. And sometimes we can get comfortable off things that God only intended were temporary. God only intended some of these things to be temporary, but we get comfortable with them. If I had the money and if I were to do a documentary and a research uh, project, I would do a research project on everyone in the room on when you finally gave up your binky. I don't know if you guys had a binky. I don't know if you guys are thumb suckers. I don't know what that was for you. Maybe it was a binky. Maybe it was a blanket. Maybe it was a little teddy bear, right? Everybody had something like that. And at some point, maybe you still have it. I know grown people that still have it. Maybe you, at some point, your parents said, I got to get rid of this binky. I know your mom at some point was like, we're done nursing. Okay, this, this is it. You're going to the bottle, it's, and you're going to hold it yourself. Right? So, so you're like, we're going we're gonna to switch this up because this is not working. At some point, your parents had to interrupt your behavior and interrupt your life, not for the purpose to send you backwards, right, but to send you forward, but to send you forward. And so this, this is what I want to talk about, um, and I want to set this up because the main, the main particular text that we're going to unpack, it's going to kind of be the standard or the shadow text that we refer to as we walk through Daniel is going to be James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And this is a text that I want you to, to really, at the end of this series, be able to memorize. This is a good text to memorize. And I want to read this text first, and then I want to go through what this series is going to be about. And then we're going to look at, at Daniel and kind of kick this series off. And I, I've got a couple points, but I think what I might do is just keep it really simple today. Because I know that sometimes I can, I can feel like I'm giving too much. And I, I, what I want more than anything is for you to have depth. What I want more than anything is for you to have life-changing um, opportunities and experiences. And one of the things that Pastor Jose, Jose told me uh, that we talked about, we laughed about, which is really a great principle, is really it's not a great sermon has nothing to do with the preacher. It has to do with the hearer. <laughs> It has to do with how well you hear. 
Because the, the word comes forth and God speaks. And what I do know is that God speaks in ways that I don't say. Because I can listen to the sermon and be like, I don't really remember saying that. And somebody could come up to me and say something that was crazy off the wall. And that was what God spoke to them. I do believe that preaching is foolish in the sense of there's no wisdom that I have in myself. I could give you my opinion and that might last you maybe 10, 15 minutes. But God has a way of taking what I'm saying and what he's put in my mind, and he has a way of translating into your ears. But it's really up to the hearer. It's really up to how you hear and how you listen. So a great sermon is how you listen. But I want to make sure that you get as much and as clear as possible today. So let's turn to the book of James. Um, we're going to have it on the screen, but I encourage you to turn, turn there if you do have a paper Bible or a tech Bible, whatever way you have. A James chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4. This, again, is the kind of the substratum, the, the basis of what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks. James, the writer of James, which is he's the writer of it. He says this, one of the core disciples of Jesus. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, let's just, let's just make sure we don't move too fast, right? When troubles come your way, he could have very easily said, If troubles come your way, he could have simply said, just in case troubles come your way, he could say, well, this may not usually happen, but if it just happens, no, he's making it clear. When troubles come your way, that means troubles are coming your way. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you go to church or not, whether you show up to church or not, guess what? Troubles are coming your way. It's just the way this world is full of trouble. That's why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow's trouble. Just there's enough trouble for today. Amen. You had enough trouble already before 1.30 this morning, this afternoon, you had some trouble. And so when troubles come your way, and I like what he said there, he's not just saying in the plural that he's also saying sometimes It's more than one trouble. Who can testify that you could have one trouble at 9 a.m., one trouble at 11, and you got four or five troubles all up in your way, right? You've got a whole, you've got a whole Seahawks defensive line all over you. Troubles from one way or the other. Don't be mad. We won. Don't be mad. (laughs) The Lord answers prayers. So Consider it, this is what he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, that don't sound like that makes any sense. When you've got troubles coming, because they're coming, they're coming quick, coming on the left side, coming on the right side, coming up the middle. You've got troubles coming. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When you come my way, guess what? I'm going to show you my check down football metaphor. I'm going to show you how I can throw. I'm going to show you how I step into the pocket. I'm going to show you how I can scramble. This is an opportunity when I get great trouble, guess what? I've got great joy coming. What what do you mean? Yeah, when troubles come my way, I'm seeing that as an opportunity. I'm getting ready to rejoice. When I get a trouble at nine, I'm clapping my hands. When trouble comes at 11, I'm getting pumped up. I'm getting excited. When I see a whole bunch of trouble around me, something inside of me says, oh, it's time to celebrate. Now, why is that? That don't make any sense to me. He starts to explain, for you know 
that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. The troubles that come are an opportunity to test your faith. It's to test your faith. It's to test your offensive line, to test your protection, to test that you have faith in God to know that whatever trouble comes your way, that God is with you in the trouble, but that you can trust in God's ultimate best for yourself. He's saying that that these troubles come to test your faith. It's not coming because you're just falling deep in sin and that's just what you deserve. It's not coming because you've that you've been eligible for this it just it's coming it's not coming because of your ethnicity because of your gender it's not coming because of your economics it doesn't it's not coming because you have money or that you don't have money it's coming to test your faith and in testing your faith your endurance has a chance to grow in other words can you outlast your trouble do you have enough faith to outlast this or is this going to break you is the words you hear today and the strength that you feel today and the way you feel today is it going to last on went till Wednesday it's going to last till Thursday is it going to last you can you outlast your trouble and Paul is saying or excuse me James is saying yes that's what's supposed to happen verse 4 says so let it grow Let's not, let's not jump over that either. Let your faith have the opportunity to grow. Can we say it a different way? Give your faith permission to grow. Give the trouble the opportunity to test you to a point so that you can grow. What it looks like in the gym is you're doing great bench pressing 13 pounds. I can bet I'm in the gym killing it, putting up 13 pounds like it's nothing. Put it up. Somebody walks along and puts 35 pounds on there. Let's just go with that. 85 pounds, and you get in the bench, and you're like, oop, that's too heavy. If, if every time somebody puts 15 pounds up on the bar or puts 25 pounds up, and you get it and say, no, nah, that's good. It's too heavy for me. You're not giving yourself an opportunity to grow. You have a choice and an opportunity to say, I'm going to let it grow. I'm going to give myself permission to let my faith grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, I like that. It's giving us hope. It's giving us hope to say, there comes a point when your faith gets some endurance. Comes a point when your faith has a six pack. Right? Excuse me. It comes a point when your faith is ready to play. And you will be, look at this word, perfect and complete. Perfect and complete. Did anybody ever tell you you could be perfect? I'm not talking about perfect in your behavior. I'm talking about perfect and complete. Needing nothing. Let me give you an example. When you go buy a car, the designer and the engineer of that car did not just engineer and think of the car and design it 
and all the team design it, put it together, and then just sell it to you. You think they did that? No, they didn't do that. What did they do? They took it, and what do you think they did? They tested it. Right? They drove it real fast. They drove it in the mud. They drove it in the rain. They put heat on it. They put extreme cold. They tested the limits of it. They tested all the elements. They made sure that just in case you might have been in this situation or this part of the world or in this situation, that the car would be able to endure, that the car would be sustainable, that you didn't get in Death Valley and then it just broke down, right? Or you didn't go to Alaska and then it wouldn't start. The car has been tested. And so when it's been tested, it's been what? Approved. The car gets the stamp of approval. It goes down the line and it says, good, this car is ready for the market. It's ready to be for production. And that's the way God, that's what James is talking about. That when your faith has enhanced, when you've got to the point where your faith is developed and grown, then it can be tested. Thank you very much. I'll switch with you. That hot water? Oh, yeah, they know what I need. Mm-hmm. That's super hot water. <coughs> Let me have that back. My goodness. Anybody ready to preach? Really? <laughs> My vocal cords have been destroyed. Okay, here you go. Thank you, Becky. It's okay. Because, you know, even though, even though you get sick from time to time, which obviously has happened to me, as long as I'm not coughing in the mic, you can have some sympathy for me. But I'm going to do it anyway. But I love to that point where even, even, even like a car, it comes to the point where it says it's been approved. It's ready to endure, and you don't need anything. You get to a point where you can say, I don't need anything. So here's, here's what divine interruption is all about. Divine interruption, it's God's way of calling us to our highest self, calling us up to our highest self. Can I just say it this way? Don't get too used to you. Don't get used to you. Don't get too used to this version of you because this version of you may be great for this season for you. This version of you may be great for now, but what about next? What about when the kids come? What about when the house comes? What about when a new relationship comes? What about when you're finished with school? What about when the kids are out of the house? Like, what's the next thing? Is your faith ready for that? Is your faith ready for what's coming? And that's that's what James is trying to say, that this divine interruption is God's way of showing you you need more. God's way of showing you there's something else you need. Because the reality is, if we're not depending completely on God, let me say it this way, because that sounds a negative way. When we depend completely on God, we are complete. We lack nothing. And some of what we feel sometimes is this void of being incomplete, of things not all being there the way we wanted them to be. And so when we look at what may look like a trial or even a tragedy for some, is an opportunity for the believer. Here's the difference. Because the text said, trouble's coming, right? It's coming. 
For others, they may see that as a trial or a tragedy. They may see that and say, oh, man, it's over. There's nothing, nothing left that can happen. This is it. You're done. I'm going to give up. I'm going to walk away. Some of us think that money is going to handle our problems, right? And money will handle a lot of problems. Let's just be honest. But how many of you know millionaires that have taken their life? How many of you know billionaires that have taken their life, right? Because there's something missing. There's something not there. And what they saw as a tragedy, they saw as the limit to hope, that there's no hope beyond this limit. But for us as believers, as those who have allowed our faith to grow, we can see that as an opportunity. We can see that as an opportunity to rejoice. And as we are going to unpack the book of Daniel, which I love uh, this particular book, what we're going to see is that Daniel in this narrative, he shows us how God is inviting us to join him and where he is working in the unseen places. The unseen places, the things that you can't see with your natural eye. Do you realize that God is inviting you to that? He's saying, I want to invite you to something I'm doing that nobody else can see. I'm inviting you into a world that I'm doing things that you may not see on the outside, but I'm actually inviting you to work with me there. And that's why I need your faith to be stronger. That's why I need you to endure. It's not that I'm trying to hurt you. It's not that I'm trying to to push you back. I'm actually trying to push you forward. And I just believe that you've decided to come to church today. You decided to be a part of this movement because you recognize there's something more inside of you. There's something more. All of us have a dream about what's next. All of us are thinking about what's next. What what the enemy can do is set up a disbelief that what we have in our mind that God has put in us is not going to happen. And we can get impatient. We can forget. We can let go. We can go a different direction. Or the worst yet, we can try to do it ourselves. That's the worst thing, to try to make something happen that only God can make happen. And so that's what this series is going to be about. And I want to look, why don't we just get ready to open up in Daniel. I just want to bring back, if I can, uh, that main text, or the main point of this, is that a divine interruption is God way, God's way of calling us to our highest self. So my question is, what does this spiritual perseverance look like? What does it look like? Not just from Daniel's experience, but what does it look like for you? What is this going to look like for you? How, do, how does personal, a spiritual perseverance translate in your life? Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I need some perseverance to deal with this particular individual. This particular individual in my life is driving me crazy. Pastor, I am so busy right now. My life is just hectic. I don't have any time for God. Man, I'm, my, my bills and my finances are so messed up right now. I don't have any, any space to be generous. Whatever it is, God is saying, I'm going to break through. I'm going to allow a divine interruption. I'm going to get in your business. And in this, I'm going to give you an opportunity to grow. So let's look at Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. This is a, this is a great book. Um, so let me just give you the context here. Daniel belongs to, to God's people. And Daniel, this is a time where God's people are in trouble because he has prophesied through the prophets to them 
to tell them that for a period of time that they were going to be in exile. In other words, he was going to send another kingdom to take over their kingdom. And it had purpose to it. One of the reasons was that the God's people had completely forgotten and had erased the agreement they had with God. They had just turned away from God and God was trying to save them through this divine interruption. He's saying just for a couple of years, you are going to be removed from where you are. I'm going to allow another kingdom to come into your country, take over your country and take you out of the country. But I promise to bring you back. And so this is the context of this particular book of the Bible. So the Bible says during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That sounds like trouble, doesn't it? A king from another army shows up and says, I'm taking over the whole country. Not just a part of the city, not just a block. They took, could you imagine what that would feel like if another country just showed up and just took over the whole country? That's exactly what's happening here. Look look what it says. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. Did you read that? The Lord gave him victory. I mean, mean, just think about this. Because sometimes we, we blame the devil, we blame ourselves, and sometimes it is the Lord using our enemies to help us. It is the Lord saying, you're not going to change, so I'm going to interrupt your life so you can't change. I'm going to interrupt you. And so the Lord gives him victory. And so Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon and placed them in his treasure house of his God. So now the sacred things of God are in possession of the unsacred. Now, let me, as we walk through this book, I want you to know that this is not just about Daniel too. This is also about Nebuchadnezzar. And you will see as we walk through this that God is after his heart too. God's just not looking out for God's people. All of people are God's people. Everyone is God's child. Just because you may have started off in church or started off on the religious side, God is still after you in just a different way. And so we keep reading here, verse 3. Then the king ordered Asaph, the king of the staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and noble families who have been brought to Babylon as captive. They said, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and they would be entered into the royal service. So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishaiah, and Azariah, the four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah, and the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was Belteshazzar, Hananiah was Shadrach, Mishael was Meshach, and Azariah was Abednego. And so God says to these, to these, to this, to the leaders, go and pick the best young men you can find. And I want you to enlist them into our Ivy League university. 
They're going to join the highest level of education. They're going to receive a rogue scholar uh, education. They are going to learn a new language, and I want them to be equipped, and I want them to be ready to serve me. What you got to understand is that these boys are probably anywhere between 14 and 17. They are young. Could you imagine the king coming to you as a 14-year-old and saying, you're no longer going to be raised in this family. You're no longer going to go back home. You are going to come to the palace. You are going to work for us. And you are going to not only learn a new language, you're going to learn a whole new system of thought. You're going to learn a whole new system of ethics and philosophy. And you are going to serve our kingdom. And you are going to do things our way. We're going to take you and we're going to enlist you with us. Sounds like a divine interruption to me. But look what happens. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief and staff for permission not to eat of these unacceptable foods. And look what verse 9 says. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Daniel grew up knowing what he should do and what he shouldn't do. Daniel's faith was shaped in how he was raised by his people. And when the divine interruption came that he would be taken from where he was to a university, Daniel, everything that was inside of him, everything that he learned, he took with him to the next step. He didn't go to college and wild out. He didn't go to the university and party. He didn't go to the university and change it up. There was something inside of him that was mature, that was ready. But here's the thing. What God had put in him in Jerusalem was what he needed in Babylon. That's what maturity looks like. That's what endurance looked like. And David had looked around, Daniel, excuse me, had looked around and he said, man, I, I can get with this learning the language. I understand you want to use me in service. I got it. You want to use me for the kingdom, but I got one problem. The problem is I can't eat this. I can't eat this. This is something I can't do. But look on the back end. What Daniel didn't know was that God had given Daniel supernatural favor. God had given him respect and affection for Daniel. Daniel didn't know this. But just imagine if Daniel would have compromised. Imagine if Daniel would have said, you know what? I ain't never had this before, but I might as well try it. I don't know. I, I don't know. This, this, is, this looks kind of nasty, but I guess I'm just going to do it. No. Daniel's like, man, I, I know that I don't have a choice. I know that this is out of my control, but there's something inside of me that's calling me to be obedient to God in this particular area. And as Daniel was stepping out into obedience, God was already making provision for him through the favorable attitude of the administrators for Daniel. What I'm trying to tell you is that you never have to compromise. 
What I'm trying to tell you is that you have to believe and accept what God has said. When God has told you no, when God has told you this is for you, you are my child and I do not want you to do this or I want you to do this. This is how you are made. This is what faithful endurance looks like. This is when the test comes that you are able to say, this is an opportunity for me. When the test comes to you, when the trouble comes, you are able to boldly say, hey, listen, this is, now listen, what I want you to know is what Daniel said was actually pretty crazy. He was actually almost making himself a death. Uh, he could have basically got to the point where they would have just killed him and got rid of him. These aren't God. These aren't, this is not a godly nation. And so it could have been really easy for the king like, oh, what? He's talking back. That's the end of him. But something inside of Daniel made him and his friends step up. So the, the quick version is that they step up. They say, look, let's put this to the test. Give us 10 days. Let's do our diet. You watch the other students, and we'll see at the end what happens. So they go through the test. They go all the way through. The Bible says at the end that they were healthier. At the end, they looked better. And so what happened was at the end of the test, the people were like, you know what? Let's do Daniel's diet. Let's, let's just switch everybody to this. Here's what I want you to know. This is not just about Daniel proclaiming and standing for what he was taught. This is not about that. Think about it this way. He is introducing something better to Babylon. He's introducing something as a gift to them. And so Daniel was the catalyst for what God wanted to introduce into Babylon. And because of Daniel's faithfulness and because of his willingness to be obedient and follow through what God had taught him, he was able to contribute. So verse 17 says, God gave these four men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. God gave Daniel the ability to interpret the meanings of wisdom and dreams. Here's what I want to tell you. It started out, Daniel was a young boy. He's doing his thing. His parents are teaching him. All of a sudden, there's a design, divine interruption. He's brought to, to Babylon. And everything that he had inside of him, the diet, the fortitude, the will, the dissolve to serve God, God took that in that moment and multiplied it and, exager and exaggerated it. Is that the right word? Exaggerated it. That's what I meant to say. Exasperated it. That's the word I was looking for. And he blew it up. Can I say blew it up? Okay, he blew it up. And then after that test is passed, God gives him another gift. God says, you're good with that. Now I'm going to give you something else. And this is why you need to be to endure. This is why you need to hold on. This is why you need to believe. Because God knows what's coming next. God knows what's coming next. That's why he says, I need you to be faithful now. I need you to not go to Starbucks every single morning. I need you to not order something on Amazon every single day. I'm going to need you to stop staying up all night on Netflix. I'm going to need you to limit your social media time. 
I'm going to need you to spend more time with me in prayer. I'm going to need you to carve out Wednesday night for small groups because the house that you're getting ready to get, the degree you're getting ready to earn, the business you're getting ready to start, the relationship you're getting ready to walk into, the season that you're getting ready to have, you're going to need what I give you. And I can't give it to you as long as your storehouse is full of junk, full of wasted time, full of failed expectations, full of wrong attitudes. I got to get rid of that, make room for what you need next because I see what's next. And if you're not careful, you'll get stuck in trouble and you'll turn around and you'll leave. You'll say, you know what? I need to get my life together. No, you can't get your life together. I get your life together. Just give your life to me and let me walk you through the steps because I know what's next. I know what's next. In fact, that's what part of our next steps is that we offer after church is an opportunity for you to get to know not only what we're doing here as a church, but what God is doing in you. What are you gifted in? What are you called to? What is your next? What does God want you to do next? And so I want to pray today for some of you, really for all of us who need to just say, God, I need to start right here. I need to start with, with this understanding that these trials that are coming my way are on purpose. They're for you who is making a way in my life. They're for me to have an opportunity to grow my faith and to stand strong. And I want to pray for some of you today who are just hearing God calling you to say, hey, just give me a chance. Just give me an opportunity. Let me start here because your faith needs to grow. And I want to grow your faith. I want to give you a new perspective. I want to give you a new way to look at this. That I'm not sending this to you, first of all. And this isn't coming to you to destroy you. It's coming to you as an opportunity for great joy. And let me just testify to you. There's joy on the other side of trial. There's joy on the other side of disappointment. There's joy on the other side of this. If you can just hold on for a little bit longer just allow God to work this out in your life. So is there anybody here today? As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Is there anybody here today that just says, Pastor, I need you to pray for me because I hear God telling me that I need to grow in this thing. I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm feeling stuck. Maybe I'm feeling like there's no hope. And I'm hearing today that if I can just be faithful, if I can just listen. And here's what I love about God. He doesn't give us too much. He just starts real simple. He just says, you know what? just come to church next week. He says, you know what? Just just, just do this simple thing. Let's just start from here. Because some of us have a lot, a lot of time, or excuse me, have a lot of trouble doing the things that God wants us to do. And I want you to know that that's an opportunity for you to step past. That's an opportunity for you to get victory. So I'm going to pray for someone today. I want to pray for maybe you just saying, God, I want to take, I just want to make this decision to allow you to lead me just want to make this decision to allow you to give me the courage to see that there's joy on the other side of this. So if there's someone that needs me to pray for them today, for you to make that decision, would you just raise your hand so I can see you? Nobody's looking at you. God bless you. I see you. Oh, God bless you. I see you too. Why don't we just pray with me today? Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that today you would help us to see that you these tests have not come here to make us weak, but they've come to make us strong. Father, we confess today our anxiety, maybe our fears, maybe our concerns, or our worries about what's next. 
Lord, we're not happy with what's now. And Lord, we know that with your interruption, that with you stepping into the situation, that not only will we see things differently, but that we will live differently. And I pray that you will fill those hands, those with their hands raised with strength. I pray that you fill them with power and with courage. And I pray that the spirit of the living God will fill their hearts. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him as the divine interruption into the human experience to give us this hope in this future. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, lead us to paths of righteousness. And Lord, we rededicate our hearts and our minds to you. You are the leader of our life. And we accept this and we claim this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those decisions that were made.